Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and today I am joined by Father Kevin Dyer, our lead national chaplain. Thanks for joining me today, Father Kevin. Good to be with you, Jessica. So I wanted to talk to you today about scrupulosity. I feel like I hear about this a lot with both our missionaries and our students. And as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of several years ago, I made this pilgrimage to Ireland. And part of the pilgrimage was to climb Crowpatrick. And it's the famous mountain in Ireland where St. Patrick spent 40 days every Lent. And so we climbed to it and it was very wet and very cold and it looked kind of like Mordor and we're climbing in fog. And then right at the top, it the incline increased dramatically and it was just straight up, but there were all of these loose stones. And as you're climbing, you're trying to grab onto these loose stones and they were cutting my hands, which were very cold. And it just made the climb so much more difficult. And when I looked up the definition of scrupulosity, the word originates from scrupus. It's Latin, and it means small, sharp stones. And I thought that was such a good word to describe scrupulosity, these small, sharp stones that feel like they're cutting us in the spiritual life. It's a great image because it is a, it is a torturous condition to go through. Fortunately, for many people, it is a temporary torturous condition to go through. But nevertheless, when you're in the middle of it, it really is a difficult situation to be in. The image that I like to use for scrupulosity is that it is a many-headed hydra, the beast from mythology that had you know all the different heads that could come at you. And often when a person is stuck in that scrupulous state, you know, they come up with a solution seemingly for their problem, but then another head comes up and presents another problem on the other side, and then another, and then another. And so that is part of the difficulty in dealing with the issue of scrupulosity. Uh, That's a great image too. So can you tell us just what exactly is scrupulosity? Well, the word seems to cover a variety of different phenomena. It will be attributed to a variety of different phenomena that might have different root causes. But in general, we could say that scrupulosity is a condition of feeling an excessive amount of guilt. And, you know, coming from a number of different areas, but an excessive amount of guilt, particularly in relation to actions or states, which are not in and of themselves sinful. So I think that the difficulty that people might have with scrupulosity is just knowing when they're being scrupulous and when they're being sensitive to sin. Because you read the writings of the great saints like Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and they say how important it is for us to be sensitive to sin because even the smallest sin keeps you from attaining to the heights of holiness. So how do people tell the difference? And and St. Ignatius says the same thing in his writings on scrupulosity, that at least at a certain level, scrupulosity can be helpful if it's helping the person gain a greater uh, sensitivity to sin. And this is for somebody who maybe in the past was not sensitive to sin. 
So one dynamic of scrupulosity is just a maturing in the faith where you're moving out of a lax conscience into a more sensitive conscience, and it just needs to be corrected over time. You know, another aspect of, of this, for, for people, again, who are in early stages of the development of the spiritual life, is, is just mistaken conscience. So, you know, as we begin to practice the faith more seriously, we begin to think, oh, ABC is a sin and it troubles our conscience. But then we come to find, no, that's not considered a sin. And the marker of whether you have a deeper and more serious state of scrupulosity is whether the person's able to move on. You know, they've heard, okay, this is not considered a sin, then I can drop it and go forward. As opposed to, I'm told it's not a sin, but boy, I still feel guilty. Yeah, that makes sense. You called scrupulosity a mini-headed hydra. And I think that that's because there are nuances with every situation that we get into with sin. And so it can be hard to tell what's scrupulosity and what isn't. And so I thought it would be helpful maybe to just look at some examples of situations where I think that it's because the person is being scrupulous. And you can say how you would respond to that if you were this person's confessor or spiritual director. Uh, And I understand that you're probably the spiritual director for around 60 people in focus, which is an amazing number. I'm stupefied that you're able to direct that many. Not even close to Father Gabriel, though. Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's true. But uh, I wanted to make sure that nobody would think that we were using examples from either your directees or my directees. (laughs) So what I did was I asked my team, the formation team, to give me examples from when they were campus missionaries of times that students came to them and asked if a certain behavior was a sin. So I've got a few examples here, and I want you to respond to them. All right, example number one, student came to the missionary and said that they were in conversation with someone else, and the person mentioned to them that they had committed some kind of sin. And the student didn't interrupt them and say, that's a sin, because they thought it would be weird for the conversation or maybe imprudent. Maybe they needed to address it more gently. And now they're concerned that they committed a sin of omission in not telling the person they were sinning. And every time that person continues to commit that sin is now their fault. How do you respond? Um, Yeah, so... And this happens a lot with with missionaries, I think, or student leaders who are trying to step in, realize that they're in this position of, you know, uh, of taking their faith seriously. So they've heard that it is something you should do to correct sinners. Now, how do you go forward in this? I think you have to have a discussion on what is actually meant there in terms of the correction of sinners. And this is meant most particularly, and the obligation applies most particularly, uh, for someone for whom you have a positive obligation uh, and a responsibility for them, parents to mm. uh, children, pastors to flock, and always has to be exercised in conjunction with the virtue of prudence. And we'll come back to this a number of times, the virtue of prudence, because I think uh, scrupulosity is really tied up with the 
ability to develop the virtue of prudence. But the correction of sinner, sinners should not be understood in terms of every sin that's heard needs to be corrected. You know, consider it this way. These students that they're in conversation with, they're trying to build up a relationship with them so that they can gain the audience with that person, that they will listen to them and take advice from them. If we were to correct every sin that we saw in somebody, uh, we would destroy the opportunity to be heard by people because they would just reject us. So, you know, again, there's a number of different factors that go together with that sin of omission in not acting. Uh, Another way to put this, do you have a positive obligation to act in a certain way in that situation? And if there's any doubt in your head, look in the catechism and talk to a confessor. I think that's a good rule of thumb, especially I like asking the question, do I have an obligation to correct this person? Because otherwise we could think, well, I have an obligation to correct everybody. And that can't be good for our spiritual lives because then we take on ourselves the role of being the Holy Spirit and trying to convict other people of their sins. And And that usually doesn't go well. And just think how many uh, letters to the editor we'd have to write. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a good rule of thumb. I feel like a lot of the questions that people ask me about scrupulosity do center around sins of omission. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of those that comes up frequently for people in focus is, did I commit a sin by not proclaiming the gospel Mm -hmm. when I had the opportunity to do so? What do you think of that? Well, the rule has to be understood in a larger context of what what makes sense. Now, if there were a positive obligation to proclaim the gospel at every moment, you would immediately get into the question of, well, what counts as proclaiming the gospel? Are you allowed to sleep? Are you allowed to eat? Must every conversation be involved in the gospel? And, and you know, as soon as you start thinking about it, you realize it's very easy to wind up in a situation that is that is untenable, that's unfeasible. And any moral rule, especially one where there's a positive obligation, has to be able to be applied in a circumstance which makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you quickly get into an area which does not make sense. Yeah, Yeah, that's helpful. So let's look at another example here. Uh, The student came to the missionary and said, I wore a really nice pair of jeans to a young adult gathering. So I am being both very vain and spending too much money on my appearance. The missionary thought that was scrupulosity. What do you think? I mean, you need to know a lot more about about the person's life here. That's I mean, true. This is, this is something to be brought to spiritual direction. But in brief, we can say uh, we're dealing with virtue and vice. We're dealing with vanity. Now, on the face of it, wearing a nice pair of jeans to a young adult gathering is in our culture, not considered excessive. It is considered a, an acceptable, virtuous practice. So your first inclination should be that this is not a problem. Now, could there be deeper vanity going on in your life? It could be. But this is where you then want to bring this to a spiritual director, to a confessor, to be able to approach the issue with uh, with greater perspective. Now, again, 
notice the issue of maturity that's going on here. I think a lot of times scrupulosity arises when we are wrestling with the issue of virtue and what is virtue or what is vice because virtue is a habit and and therefore it's not expressed in the in the sense of positive rules or obligations but rather patterns of behavior that lead to flourishing or not to flourishing therefore it creates a certain amount of risk or uh, I would say ambiguity meaning um, when we talk about the virtue, you can't give one rule that applies to every circumstance. You have to grow in the ability to apply the virtue to a number of different circumstances. And no one's going to be able to give you the 100% certain answer beforehand. Mm -hmm. So this goes back again to the virtue of prudence. And, and it just takes a while. This is, the, this is the awful thing about the virtue of prudence that, you know, we're 22 years old. We want to be good. We want to be good. We want to have the virtue of prudence. Please give it to me now. The problem is the only way you can develop it is with experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that this question uh, kind of circles around the area of what indulgences do we allow ourselves? Uh, because I can see people anytime that they might wear something that they think is nice clothing or they might get their nails done or watch a certain TV show that they like. They might think, oh, I'm not making a sacrifice for the Lord. And then they feel guilty about it. I remember when I was a teenager, I had my conversion around middle school. And I started reading the stories of the Fatima children and how they would make all of these sacrifices for sinners. And so I started doing that. I started fasting and making all the little sacrifices that I could. And it was a really beautiful time in my life. But I noticed a few years later when I didn't make a sacrifice that I would normally make, I would kind of have this anxiety in my heart. Not even necessarily that I had sinned, but that I had somehow disappointed Jesus by not making a sacrifice when I could have. And I talked to a priest about it, and he told me that was scrupulosity, but I was so young that I didn't even know what that word was. You know, the, uh, the thing that comes to mind in hearing your example, okay, you're thinking that you've disappointed Jesus. Notice what was not going on there. You weren't asking Jesus if he was disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that's and so right. This is another dynamic of scrupulosity, I find. And, and it shows how it's of the evil spirit. Like scrupulosity, true, like in its heart, is of the evil spirit. Why? Because it isolates you. Mm -hmm. you know, it leaves you trapped inside yourself, making you think that you're unworthy to even speak to God. And, and when we're going about our moral life, entirely trapped within our own head, something's wrong. You know, whereas, you know, the thing to do in that situation is pray about it. Like, ask the Lord, do you want me to make this, uh, this sacrifice? Because if the Lord is in it, and if the Holy Spirit is in it, he will make that sacrifice light. He will give it a certain due of the Holy Spirit uh, and lead you into it. Whereas, the burdens that we place on our own shoulders are always heavy, gloomy, uh, and just lead us to being miserable. Yeah, and they lead us to focusing too much on ourselves. On ourselves. I think that was the thing that caused me to have a breakthrough when I was a teenager. And I remember hearing this story, which I doubt is true, but it was still helpful to me, that uh, St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross had dinner together on a feast day, which they were both cloistered. So it probably didn't happen, but I didn't know that then. And as the story goes, they had a piece of cake to celebrate the feast day. 
And then St. John of the Cross said, well, I'm going to give up having a second piece to make a sacrifice for God. And St. Teresa of Avila said, I'm going to have a second piece and celebrate how good it is. And I thought both of those were just wonderful because it shows you can make a sacrifice for God. But there's also something pleasing to God in you appreciating and enjoying the gifts that he's given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it shows the sacrifice is free and it is offered to God, the way the celebration was offered to God. And it increases communion. Yeah. You know, that that whole thing of being trapped inside myself and focused on myself versus being open to God and to others. Let's look at another example here. This example is, I can never click a button on a website saying I have read the terms and conditions if I have not read the whole thing, because that would be the sin of lying. So I think this one might actually show more of a mental state um, with scrupulosity, like uh, maybe a little bit of OCD or something. What do you think? Yeah, and so one of the underlying psychological dynamics that's often involved with scrupulosity is the the obsessive compulsive mentality. And and so for the person who is constantly plagued by by these sorts of of problems, it could be helpful to just seek some counseling in terms of OCD and see if that is a dynamic that is at play in their personality. This is an area where there's nobody in the church right now who seems to be saying that clicking on the terms and conditions represents lying. Yeah, I, in fact, I can't think of one person who has publicly made that argument. That gives you pretty good clearance that, that you're fine. And, and again, it's looking around at the at the general culture. Now, going back to the many-headed hydra, what immediately goes on in a person's mind when they hear that is, oh, but look how fallen the culture is. Ah, yes. So the hydra always has a response. And we have to be prepared for that, that the many-headed hydra always seems to have a response. But we have to continually turn ourselves back toward the main, uh, the mainstream and voice of the church and toward... Uh, that question of, am I trying to establish relationship with God? Am I in communion with God and with confessor slash spiritual director? Other people are going to help us through scrupulosity. You know, we need to do internal work, of course. But it seems that the easiest way through scrupulosity is in relationship with other people who are helping us through. That's a good point. So let's look at our last example here. Somebody engaged in a pious practice, for example, um, going to Mass and receiving communion on the knees or wearing a veil. And now they feel like they have to do it every time they go to Mass because otherwise they would be sinning through irreverence and not doing something that they felt God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, this is a question that points us toward the mainstream of the church. And and this establishes a point more generally about spirituality, is that we think of spirituality, and for understandable reasons, in terms of our personal relationship with God. The danger is that we therefore define spirituality uh, completely by internal 
standards Mm -hmm. and in reference only to ourselves. The fact is that the Lord is trying to establish a holy people. It's in our, you know, the prayers of baptism uh, that he's he's trying to establish a holy people. So our spiritual life is lived out, yes, in relationship to our personal experience of God, but also in relationship to the entire church. So therefore, in these matters of, of reverence, reverence is defined, at least in part, socially. It's defined by the church what reverence is, by the community what reverence is. And therefore, if I'm completely defining what reverence is by standards I've made up in my own mind, there's something incomplete. So be asking, is the church asking me to express reverence through this practice as a matter of obligation? If it's not, then I should not consider this something which will cause excessive guilt within me. Did you make a vow to wear a chapel veil at every Mass? Uh, Probably not, but if you did, uh, I would talk to your spiritual director or confessor about uh, the legitimacy of of that vow. That's a really good point. You know, I don't think that I'd ever thought of reverence as having a social component, but that's exactly right. Because otherwise, you could end up in the situation where, you know, well, I've defined for myself that reverence means doing a jumping jack in the middle of the aisle. Uh And if it's only defined internally, there's nothing wrong with that. But of course, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's wrong. And why is it wrong? Because we we express devotion and reverence publicly and socially. That is very clarifying. Thank you for that. So those were the examples of scrupulosity that my teammates came up with. I think this was really helpful to talk through them. But I think that the number one thing that everybody wants to know right now is how do I defeat the many-headed mm-hmm. hydra? Like, what are your tips to help people overcome scrupulosity? Well, in the short term, the, the best rule, and probably people who suffer from scrupulosity have already heard this a number of times, but it is true that find a consistent spiritual director and a consistent confessor and follow their advice. Now, again, the many-headed hydra will spring up and say, you know, in every circumstance, am I being exactly obedient to my confessor when I did X, Y, Z, or to my spirit? Like, the hydra always has a tax to make. But step number one is find a spiritual director, a confessor who's consistent, and take their advice. Uh, Step two is, you know, as we said before, rely on other people. When in doubt about what to do, rely on holy people around you whom you trust and ask, what would they do? And again, follow that advice. Third, accept and, and think about, you know, really think about the fact that w- one part of the moral life is the virtuous life, living the virtues, prudence, um, and the other virtues that we've talked about in the podcast. Therefore, it's going to take time. And it's going to take experience. And it's going to take some trust in God. So on this process, ask yourself, is the route I'm taking leading me toward deeper communion with God and neighbor 
or is it trapping me inside myself? If I'm ending up trapped inside myself, then I probably want to go in a different direction. And then the last thing I'd say is that if this is something that you're experiencing in many different aspects of your life, then also address the fact of whether there's a psychological component to this and whether it would be helpful to see a counselor about obsessive compulsive behaviors and how one might address those matters. Now, when directees have exhibited to me in spiritual direction that they suffer from scrupulosity, I've told them to meditate on God's love for them. And I remember in conversation with you once, you said that you tell people to meditate on God's power. And I thought that was really interesting. Can you tell me why you tell people to meditate specifically on God's power? Well, I think on on God's power because it it goes to the fact that God wants to bring us to salvation. When we're trapped in the scrupulous state, we're, we're tempted to believe that there is no hope for us, that we cannot do it, and that we are always in, in danger. And so it can be helpful to step back, consider God, and how he sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die for sinners, and that God's grace is powerful. And and so God is working within all believers and working through the sacramental life of the church and and through prayer. God can do a lot. So have trust and confidence that God is going to lead you through this time of scrupulosity. That's a great point. I love that. Well, thanks for joining me today to talk about scrupulosity. Could you please close us with a blessing? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God Almighty Father, we give you thanks and praise for your great glory and majesty, which you have shown into the world, and the face of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has revealed you to the nations. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us. Pray especially for those who suffer from scrupulosity, that Jesus might lead them through this difficult period to the freedom that he promises to the sons and daughters of God. Ask Almighty God to bless all of you who are listening today, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, thanks, Father. Thank you, Jessica. And thanks, everybody, for listening.